and my life is hid with Christ in God. And so if I don't know anything else, I know I'm going to be all right one way or the other. So I don't know much about tomorrow, but we do know who does, and we're in him, and he's in us. Sounds like pretty, sounds to me like we're pretty safe and secure in the Lord, isn't it? We're, we're in him, and he's in us. Don't get mo- much more secure than that. So I appreciate the goodness of the Lord, and I appreciate his uh, willingness to, um, <clears throat> uh, his love and care that he has for sinners. appreciate what he did Sunday night, saving uh, Soul Sunday night was still just a great blessing to me. Uh, it really is like something that just makes you want to see more of it. I want to see more people get saved. You know, it's um, a lot of things you grow weary with um, in uh, the religious world, but seeing somebody saved has never gotten wearisome. Uh, seeing somebody saved is like an always. Um, uh, just does something. It, it just encourages even, uh, you know, it's been, it's been talked about in a regular family when a baby's born. Um, you know, it can bring a, a lot of peace to a family, a lot of joy. It seems like everybody forgets everything else going on and just focuses on that uh, new baby that's been born. So I appreciate the Lord's goodness. Um, it's wonderful to see conviction again. Uh, it's not something we see as much of, it seems like, in this day. Uh, as in maybe many of your days and days gone by um, and not seemingly much conviction. Um, but conviction is very important to salvation. Um, and uh, I thank God for the day he put me under the load of sin. I got under conviction. Three days I was under conviction. The Lord put me under conviction. And so my birth was not an intellectual one. So I didn't come uh, to the saving knowledge of the truth intellectually and mentally as sin to a set of facts or, or mentally assent to the fact of a person. The devils believe intellectually, um, but it was a birth in the heart. Uh, you can't come to the apprehension of Christ by the intellect. Um, you know, it's a revelation of the Holy Ghost. It was the search of yea, the deep things of God. Uh, and no man knows those things but by the Holy Ghost. And so it goes beyond reason. If somebody can reason you into salvation, they can reason you out of it. So I don't care how many books you read or how many times some atheistic scientist gets on there and gives some kind of data and proof, carbon dating and all these other things. It doesn't bother me because I'm not founded upon scientific fact. This is faith. This is spiritual faith. Uh, in the Lord. And so I'm not troubled at all. And I still go right back and pray um, to the God that saved me. And uh, so I appreciate the Lord's uh, revelation uh, that he gives to a person when he illuminates their mind to who Jesus is. He draws them, convicts them, and then opens their mind up uh, to who Jesus really is and who they really are. Uh, that's a great revelation that you won't come. The natural man receiving not the things of the Spirit of God, neither indeed can be. He's not subject to them, the carnal mind either, because uh, they're spiritually discerned. It's spiritually understood, but by the Spirit. Uh, and so by my Spirit. So the Lord uh, reveals some things by the Holy Ghost and the Spirit. And I appreciate the Lord loving us enough to do what He's done, let alone just at Calvary. But then when He deals with us and drawing us to salvation, it's um, it's not a Calvinistic saying to say salvation's of the Lord. Uh, doesn't doesn't mean you didn't play a part in it, but salvation certainly is of the Lord. Uh, if he didn't do what he did, nobody's getting in. 
Um, so um, I wouldn't have a mind to believe with. I wouldn't have uh, legs that could walk, ears that could hear. And so uh, this spiritual um, life that we are now awakened to, uh, that's why the Bible says no man needed to teach you anything. You have the Spirit of God will guide you in all truth. He'll, he'll teach you everything you need to know. And it's amazing how the book of the Bible becomes alive to you after you're saved. I mean, you can mentally understand some things when you read the Bible as a lost person, but you'll never understand it like a saved person. Uh, there's just something about the Bible when you're saved that God, you're able to open and see and understand uh, some things because you have a spirit that's been quickened and uh, you have the Holy Ghost letting you understand things. Because I, I know about you, but I'll read through a certain verse and it doesn't ever change in its meaning, but it changes in its application of where I may be at the time. The, the Word of God's alive. And you try to share that with a lost person, they just look at you like... What are you talking about? You know, but with me and you, we get in the Bible and God opens the scriptures up to us and helps us to see things. And uh, it's just a tremendous life to live uh, as a born again Christian. And I want to thank God for saving me and for dealing with me and uh, for dealing with those still in this day. We need some more uh, conviction. We'll never reason people into salvation. Uh, they have to be awakened and illuminated uh, by the Holy Ghost of God. He is the one uh, that bursts people into the family of God. And without Him, uh, everything we're doing is vain. Uh, it takes the work of the Holy Ghost. And so we certainly don't want to grieve Him or He won't uh, be at liberty to work and move um, the way that we want Him to. So we want to be careful with that. But I appreciate the Lord's goodness and His willingness to deal with us. Um, I'm always amazed. I was thinking about this today. It's amazing, Brother Ben, I was thinking, you know, if you think about a man that lives in just really grotesque and, and open sin, um, it's a miracle to see a drug addict get saved and God changes life or uh, see a drunk get saved and God changes them. And that's wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, but when you see a person, I was thinking of a man who was testimony, he was 51, I believe, when he got saved. And he lived in a church atmosphere for most of his life. Uh, but he was miserable because he knew he didn't have the life in, there was something missing, though he tried to live the church life. And um, he said, boy, I was just of all men most miserable. And, uh, and so it's amazing to me that um, God will st still shed light on a person's heart and mind and help the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. Uh, and helping them to see uh, God's not going to let anybody, um, I don't believe, uh, be misled um, into and then die and just go to hell. I just don't believe that. Uh, if you've got a heart to want to know the truth, God will give you more light. If you're responding to the light, God has given you. We want more light, but we won't obey what He has told us. So why would we get more if we won't obey? But if you obey the light God has given you, I think about that um, scenario given of a man in the jungles of Africa. How could God let a man, listen, God will get a man, the jungles, uh, I don't care where he is in the desert, in the jungles, God will get him the gospel if he will respond to the light that he does have. Romans said he has creation, doesn't he? He has an understanding of seeing nature itself teaches him that there's a God. And so God's not unrighteous. God will save men. Uh, Brother Mitchell says it's kind of controversial. But he's saving everybody that's savable. 
That's right. And I believe that at the bottom of my heart. If you want to be saved, God's saving repentant sinners that will come by faith. And uh, everybody else that's not going to repent and is not a sinner, God's not going to save you. Uh, so thank the Lord. I appreciate the Lord. I appreciate um, what he's done for us. But let's go back to First Peter and just continue on in this precious book. Uh, that God's helped me so much from in studying it again, um, just over and over when I study through these uh, verses, uh, I'm just thrilled at what God uh, does in my heart. It seems like I'll um, read through a verse and uh, sometimes we stop too short uh, in reading some of our verses, but we'll go to the more famous ones and uh, kind of miss some of these seemingly more simple verses. And God will use a lot of these verses we, uh, just to encourage you when you need them. And I, I really do. I appreciate the Lord. Um, you know, I was thinking that while we were praying that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears attendeth on their prayer. And I just, I'm just amazed. Not only God would save us, but that He would continue to watch over me and you every single day. Uh, God's eyes are over you, watching you, and uh, watching, not just watching you, waiting for you to slip up so He can find something to, to punish you for. Uh, that's not how God operates. He gets presented that way often, but God doesn't operate that way. He's not sitting back watching your life, waiting to catch you doing something. Number one, He already knows all things, and He's not has to catch you doing anything. Thing. Uh, he knew what you would be before he saved you and uh, knew every, he knows everything perfectly uh, from A to B, A to Z. And uh, so anyhow, God's not in the business of trying to watch us. You ever feel that way sometimes? It's like, man, I'm just, God's not that way. He's not trying to catch you to uh, mess up somewhere so that he can do, that's, God's eyes are over you. He's watching over you. And uh, that's a great blessing. But anyway, let's go down through here just to kind of catch up a little bit uh, of where we have been. And then we'll uh, go try to finish down through some of these verses. We're in chapter number three. Uh, but just to kind of see where we are now, uh, we are under still the heading. I won't go back any further than this, but uh, we're looking at our ways uh, to conduct of how a pilgrim, uh, the pilgrim's ways and how he should conduct himself. And so we see a way to conduct ourselves uh, in this uh, strange land of which we are not belonging. The world's crucified to us, right? And us to the world. And so we don't belong here. We're headed to another country, another home. Uh, and so we are in a strange land. And so how do we operate while we're here? And so he goes and gives us how to, as strangers in this foreign land, uh, how we should interact with the world, how we interact with the lost uh, world. Uh, by the world, I mean uh, that the lost, uh, the, those that are without, the Gentile world. Uh, how we should, whether it's the job or whether in government or wherever you find uh, that situation being, tells us how to operate there. And then he tells us how to, again, conduct ourselves amongst each other, how to conduct ourselves in the church, how to love one another and be merciful and all those wonderful things. Then he gets down to dealing with the home, and that's kind of where we ended, and how to conduct ourselves in our own homes. And he deals with the wife, how the wife should humble herself to serve. And then in verse number seven, I believe it is, he tells uh, how the, uh, excuse me, how the wife is to humble herself to submit 
And then in verse number seven, the husband is to honor his wife uh, to serve. And so we have gotten down to those, uh, through those sections, down through chapters one and two, part of chapter number three. And then we're going to move forward into another section now, um, uh, talking about which I entitled works to continue. And so these are uh, things we're going to have to continue to do uh, as we move forward. Again, this is not speaking in particular to the husband. Uh, he leaves the husband and speaking to him particularly and uh, talks about one of another. So uh, we're back on the general expectation for everybody, whether you're a wife, whether you're a husband, whether you're a child, wherever you find yourself in particular, the general expectations for us and for us to continue, uh, these are uh, works that need to continue. And so we'll start in verse number seven and then we'll catch our verse number eight and we'll move forward. Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, uh, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. I had a lady one time I preached uh, from these verses. I preached and um, uh, the, I had a deacon who was just, he was, a, he was funny. And he, he came to me and he said, I'm doing everything you asked me to, Pastor. I'm giving honor to her. And he just bugged her to death, opening the door for her. And she said, I wish you'd just quit. Uh, leave me alone. And uh, he was being funny about that. But it is a truth. There is a sense of that. We've lost that. Back in uh, many of your ages, that was a, uh, uh, you took your hat off in front of a lady. You stood up as she entered the room. You, there were certain little things that weren't necessarily biblical, but it was an attempt to honor the woman. Um, and you didn't say bad words in front of women, even in a lost world. Uh, I can remember... Uh, somebody speaking of a certain subject um, that uh, they shouldn't have been speaking about in the presence of uh, some ladies at, at, a, at a family function I was at. And my grandfather about lost it. He said, you don't talk like that in front of these ladies. And he had a, um, and so young men, you remember that. Uh, we need to continue to do, it's a good thing to do. Uh, it's, it's good to um, show honor unto the wife. Uh, and you can start that now. Uh, and just honoring women by keeping your hands off of them and not bringing them into a bad uh, situation that they should not be in. Uh, and all of those various things. But I believe it would serve us good to uh, go back and do some of that. Uh, opening the doors for our wives and things like that. You know, those things we've lost some things along the way that um, maybe necessarily didn't have a uh, chapter and verse for, but they were good things because they were founded on biblical principles um, and ways to honor our wife. And uh, ladies, you could help out by acting honorable sometimes and it'd make it a little easier. But either way, uh, you know, the Bible says for us to give honor unto the wife, uh, no exception to that. I don't care, um, you know, what the case is. The Bible says to give honor to the wife and as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, uh, that your prayers be not hindered. Um, and so that's certainly an important verse for us to remember. Now, verse number eight, and we'll move on to these works that continue. And uh, he says, finally, uh, be you all of one mind. And it seems like he's coming to the conclusion of his letter here. And he's starting to think about summarizing the letter and wrapping up in conclusion, as many of us would. Uh, if we were writing a letter to a dear one, we would try to, uh, you have an introductory and you have a body and then you have a conclusion. It seems like he's coming to the end here, um, though we've got a little bit further to go because he's going to say finally. And uh, that's kind of important because it kind of summarizes the thoughts of what is going to be said, what needs to be said. And uh, he's going to emphasize some things. And you'll notice the Bible say things like, uh, I, I went through and searched.
researched a couple of times how many times the Bible says above all things. You know, uh, many times you'll see Paul say that. But above everything else, make sure you do that. And this is kind of that same emphasis. Finally, I want you to remember some things. And so this is for all of us, whether you're, like I say, whoever you are, uh, be you all of one mind. And we know what that mind should be. Uh, we should all have the one mind to bring glory to Christ. If we all get in the same mind frame that we get selfish uh, and we start wanting things for ourselves or for our own glory, we're going to make a mess and cause a lot of trouble in the church or in our family or in our homes or wherever the case is. Uh, but when uh, the brethren come together and the church comes together, uh, if we can all be of one mind, that we look to each other and say, it's not about me, it's not about you. At the end of the day, what will bring the most glory to God? What, what makes God happy? What, what causes his heart to rejoice? What, where is God going to get glory in this situation? Uh, it's not about me winning. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. Uh, it's, it's about bringing glory to God. I mean, there's, uh, uh, it seems like you get into these situations sometimes in churches and there's a lot of um, team building. Who's on my team and who's on your team and trying to get everybody. Listen, you're not, you're not the one who's going to win anyway. And so you don't need people on your team. This is about God, right? And we get outside of that and it's amazing what can happen to a person. Uh, if they begin to get selfish and lose sight of the fact that church, life, everything is about bringing glory to God. That's what it's all about, right? And so if we can all have that same mind together, uh, it will help us in so many situations. And I know you know it because you've done it before, I'm sure. And you get in those situations and you face and you think, you know what? This isn't about whether how I look or my, uh, my appearance before others or what others are going to think uh, about me. They're going to think I'm weak if I don't respond to it. Or It's not about all of that. When you just back up and say, you know what? Who cares about all that? I just want to bring glory to God. And when you come to that place and you're like, man, there's victory in that. It's like, that thing will go great. When you start getting, well, goodness, they're not going to talk to me. Like, oh, it's going to be a mess. Soon to, soon to happen. But let's all be of one mind. Be all of one mind. And so um, if we can do that, we'll have great unity uh, in the church. If we can all be of one mind. But it takes everybody. Everybody's important in that matter. It takes everybody having the same mind. Not one person. Not one little, the little pinky toe. Uh, you can't walk right without that little pinky toe. You ask, uh, you ask Brother Reed about how important those toes are. Am I right, Brother Reed? It's a, it's, it's a daily battle every day of your life. And so um, the parts of the body that we think about are not that important. Every piece and every, every part of our body is important. And so it, it operates as a function that God created for. And the same thing in the body of Christ. Every person in here has a part to play. And you say, well, I really don't matter. I really, I this, I that. You absolutely do matter, whether you know so or not. You absolutely matter. Matter to God's church. You matter to this church, and uh, um, and that's why we uh, say things like that. Uh, everybody's so important. I, I don't think they realize it. Um, I I see it often when when they if somebody gets upset, you see how important you are about how how many people around you you upset with you. 
They care about you. They love you. And uh, one person gets out of whack. And uh, man, all those people that love them, it throws everybody off. Like, uh, I don't know how to operate, you know, when somebody's upset. And so um, you are very important. And so it takes everybody to have the same mind. We've all got to be of the same mind. You, you can't say, well, you guys can have that mind. But I'm, no, everybody's got to be together on this one fight. We can differ about a lot. Uh, there's some things we can certainly differ on. We going to go down through here, never if I keep rambling, but talk about the spirits that were in prison in Noah's day. We can differ on that. You can think those were fallen angels uh, that had mingled themselves with the sons of men. You can, uh, you can think about all that. We can differ some things on some, but here none of us can differ on this one matter. Be ye all of one mind. Check your mind before you come in here. Check your mind. I, all right, I got to remember, this is about God when I go in there tonight. It's not about Sally that upsets me and Jimmy that makes me mad and uh, Brother Reed that makes me mad. No, it's not about all that stuff. It's about God. I'm just going to bring glory to God, and I hope everybody understands I'm just doing my best to try to bring glory to God in the best way I know how. And so we'll get along all right if everybody has that same mind. Uh, so be all of one mind, and that's the mind we need to have and have compassion one of another. Uh, we got to remember to be a compassionate people. Compassion is, is, is sympathy, but it's sympathy to the degree that it moves you to do something about it. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Bible talks about Jesus was moved with compassion uh, when he would see somebody suffering. He wouldn't just say, boy, I feel sorry for them. He would move to his capabilities in order to meet a need that they had. And so we've got to have the same kind of thing in our life. We have got to have compassion one for another. Uh, when I see, um, uh, uh, um, I, I said, Brother Reed, I've said your name enough. I might have to pick on Amber. So I've I got to quit saying people's names altogether. That is, if you go to Bible school, they'll teach you not to do that. Uh, but uh, uh, Amber, you know, we got uh, uh, you don't get mad at me. I'll use your name. Uh, but uh, we've all got to remember when we come in the house of God, we've all got the same mind. And it's not about my uh, interest or your interest or my team versus your team. Or uh, It's all about having the same mind to bring glory to Christ. And what does he say brings glory to him? It's for us to love one another. Right? And so by this, all men know that you have uh, that you have love one for another. You be my disciple; that you're my disciples. You have love one for another. And so, if you love me, I want you to love other people. That's what I want you to do. God doesn't need; He's not a member of the Bible. Says He's not uh, worshipped with man's hands as though He needed anything. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't really even need our presence most of the time. God doesn't need anything in the definition of a need. Um, what he wants, if you love him, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to do everything you can to have compassion and meet the needs of others. Live your life as a sacrifice for other people. And if you love me, that's what I want you to do. I want you to love me. Uh, here's how you're going to love me. I want you to love other people. Uh, by the Bible love, Bible definition of love. And so compassion, we should have compassion on people. When we see them in their needs and we see them with problems, it's not something we can identify so that we can get on the phone and call certain people that agree with us later and tell them about it. Uh, we ought to be moved with compassions. Uh, man, I want to, how can I meet that need there? Uh, you know, it ought to be, it ought 
to be, um, you know, dominant in our life, that we're not just uh, people that, well, I feel sorry for that brother. No, uh, I feel sorry for him. How can I help him? Uh, what can I do? Uh, that ought to be, uh, that's what compassion is. That's what Jesus did. Could he not have just looked at you, Tyler, and said, well, I feel sorry for old Tyler. He's dead and he's on his way to hell. Hate that for him. No, he had compassion upon you. And he moved to move the Holy Ghost into your life and to draw you and work conviction into your life. Bring somebody to preach the gospel to you. Open the eyes of your understanding so that you could understand and so that you could believe and repentance was granted to the acknowledgement of the truth. God did that for you because he loved you and had compassion upon you. See, and that's what he wants for others. So if God does me that way and he views me and he sees um, and he's uh, full of pity and mercy and compassion on me, uh, I should be that way to others. Be filled uh, with compassion uh, in my life. You ought to be a person that has compassion uh, on other people. And uh, we need to see some more of that in our day. I see a lot of it, especially out in the world. Uh, the church is about one of the few places you can go find compassion and it's getting rare there anymore. Uh, but when you go out in the world, nobody cares about anybody. And uh, uh, the, closest, <laughs> the closest parking spot to the front door of Walmart uh, you better not take my spot. I'll kill you over that spot. That's how people operate. You'll see them fighting. I was going to get that one. Good night. It'd do some of us good to walk a little bit. We don't need the parks so close, I don't think. Uh, but they're arguing and fighting, and, and nobody really has any compassion uh, uh, for one another. It's all about me, 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 me. But uh, anyhow, so the Lord wants us to be of one mind. He wants us to have compassion one of another. I try to remember when you see people and you see their, uh, you see their failures, um, one thing about a church family, the, the closer you get to know each other and the more you're together, uh, you find out a lot about each other. Um, and uh, uh, just like, um, you know, in a real family, uh, there's a lot of things I know about my family uh, that you all don't know, right? You just say the same to me about your family. And um, that's uh, something that, uh, that's similar to a church. We find out a lot about each other. And what I try to remember, um, God doesn't let us see things about each other to criticize it, right? It, he lets us see things we might learn from one another. If he allows me to see a failure in your life, uh, he's wanting me not to make the same mistake, right? Or if he lets me see Brother Reed uh, being faithful and being uh, loving the church, he allows me to see that so that I can uh, learn from that and take the good things of it. It's not something. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is when we see one another and we see the failures of each other and we try to always give people the benefit of the doubt. Try to, uh, try to be um, the one that's going to look at somebody's life and have compassion on them. Who knows? how they were raised, how their home life was like. And uh, sometimes some people, it doesn't give it, it doesn't make it an excuse for why they are what they are. Uh, but sometimes I try to, we do this all the time. Uh, you think about a certain person I know right now and they'll say, and they'll refer to a certain instance in their life. Well, you know what they went through and affected them. And so uh, we need to have that kind of compassion one for another. It's not just, um, you know, you may fail, but I fail a lot. So uh, I ought to be able to look and see 
you know, you, you, there's no telling uh, how your day was today. Maybe you just had a bad day today. You know, I, is there, anybody ever think like that? I mean, I, um, somebody seems kind of hateful more than usual. Well, maybe they had a bad day today. Maybe um, uh, that's no reason to go off and have compassion on them. Just show them some understanding and some care and some compassion uh, in their life. And, and if we if we all do that, having the same mind, uh, we'll we'll do pretty well. But now, so ha- uh, keep the same mind for the glory of the Lord and uh, have compassion on one another. And this is love as brethren. And that's, I won't go into that because it, but um, basically what he's saying here is that special kind of love that we've been given from God. The love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost is how we should love one another. So love as brethren. Um, I have a special kind of love, a special affection for those members of my family. And I believe what that verse, that part of that verse is saying is there's a special kind of love that ought to be given to brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I, I know that may be, um, again, a point of, where somebody may disagree with me on that. Uh, but the verse I was thinking about is do good unto all men as you have therefore opportunity. Do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. And so, um, if love is brethren, I believe what he's saying here, if you're going to express love and show love and all those, we should do that to everybody. But there's a special kind of love we have for the brothers in Christ. There's a special kind of love, a special family uh, connection that I have with you all that I don't have with lost people. I love them. I want to see them come to Christ. I want to see them be saved. But there's a special kind of love uh, that I have uh, amongst brethren that we should have. Uh, think about it. I'm just thinking about it. You don't hate people at your work. You, you, you would say you generally love people, um, uh, generally speaking. Uh, you generally love people. But you don't love them like you do your family. When you go home, you have a special love for your brothers and sisters. Right? I don't know. I still might go fight somebody for my brother. I love him. We were close, Brother Reed. We, I mean, we loved each other. We were close. I remember one argument, one fight we ever got in. We were just close. I, I got a special love for my brother, for my mother. We may fight and squabble amongst each other every now and then, but don't you go bad now, there. Right? We got, a, we got a special love for our family members. and we, um, That's the way we ought to be with each other. I may have an argument with Brother Tony and we may disagree on something, but you better not badmouth him. That's still my brother. I love him. <laughs> we, may, we may disagree. What family doesn't? But I can tell you this much. We're still going to get together. We love each other. And that's the way it ought to be in here. We're all going to disagree with each other at some point or another. You're going to find things in me you don't like. And, and good, hey, hey, newsflash, there's things about you I'm probably not going to like. But, but here's the point. We're brothers. We got to love each other. I'm, you've got a special place in my heart, whether we disagree or agree or wherever we are in our state with one another. You've got a special place in my heart. I love you as brethren. Totally different from how I love the world. Totally different from how I love that world. And I, I think some people get that confused uh, uh, in, in even in when talking about um, for God so loved the world. And the way that it manifests itself is different to God's people, to God's church, than it is to the lost and the dying world. 
Uh, and uh, not that it's a different love in itself, but it manifests itself differently because they, they're, they're in a different position in my life than other people. Uh, I love that, that woman there uh, like nobody else. I love uh, other ladies. I love my mother. I love my grandmother. I love ladies in this church. I love uh, all God's uh, sisters and uh, ladies like that. But nobody like my wife. That's my wife. And I even love my mother a little bit different. And same way here in the church, we have got to have that kind of family connection uh, to where, you know, oh, there's, you know, we're going we're gonna to do all that we can to help people. But I can tell you one thing, we're not going to let you starve. Right? I mean, one thing about it, we may, have to, we may have to not be able to meet some needs out there, but I'm, we're going to do all we can to make sure you and me is taken care of. Right? Because we're brethren. We, have a, we ought to have that special bond to one another. And I, I, I hate to see it. Um, but, you know, you see it in churches where uh, that is not the case. But I, I don't want that to be the case here. Uh, let's make sure we keep that. At the end of the day, nobody said we have to agree with each other about everything. Uh, we're going to disagree on things, how things should operate or how uh, you ought to do this or that or whatever. Uh, we're going to disagree with that. But at the end of the day, that's part of my family. I'm closer to you people than I am anybody I'm related to on this earth. You're my family. In a much more eternal way than any person that I'm related to by blood. And we got to remember that. I tell my kids all the time, at the end of the day, y'all better love each other because you're about all you're going to have when it comes to the world. <laughs> you brothers, it, it, you, you, your friends ain't going to stay around long. But don't forget you've got the church. And the church, real God's real people, they'll stick with you even even hey, even if you make a mistake and they disagree or whatever. They are you're still my brother. I still love you, and I'm, I'm gonna be there for you no matter what. And I'm gonna tell you when you do wrong, and I'm not gonna agree when you do wrong. I'm gonna try to help you, rebuke you, whatever has to happen. But I love you, and I'm with you till the end. That's that, we gotta have that, and, and certainly nobody else is gonna attack you, right? We can't let that happen. Um, and so uh, I, I kind of see that same relationship. So we need to love us, brother. Oh. I, I get to going. I don't get enough time, or maybe I take too much time. I, I don't know. That's, uh, I guess, uh, subject to um, uh, subjective truth. Now, uh, let's see. Um, love his brethren. Uh, be pitiful. Um, we know what that means, right? Be merciful, not uh, pitiful, as in we would say nowadays. Well, that poor old girl, she's pitiful. <laughs> That's not Southern language pitiful. It's Bible pitiful, okay? And so we should show pity. Be merciful to people. Um, now, uh, be courteous. Be courteous. And I've touched on some of that, but just try to remember that, young people. It'll always serve you well to just be courteous. I think you ought to still say, yes, sir. I think you still ought to say, no, ma'am. I think, uh, and I don't care, you know, who you're speaking with. Um, uh, I th any any uh, older person, young people that addresses you in this church, you ought to show them the, the most utmost courteous respect and dignity that you can muster up. Um, even when they jump on you or whatever may have to happen. Um, you need to show the most courtesy and respect that you can for your elders and for, for one another, not just for your elders. Be courteous. Uh, open the door for people. Say thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, those are, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's courteous. Um, you can't think of courtesy or being courteous without thinking of James Jones. Uh, he's, a, he's a man that has full of courtesy. Uh, you know, he just, he about can't get through without saying something nice to you. 
You know, I mean, that's a, that's a don't, don't tell you myself, Dad. Uh, that's a, no, I'm kidding. That's a wonderful quality to have. Just a, just a courteous person. Yes, ma'am. If, uh, uh, he's not fighting anybody for the best spot up front or, uh, um, you know, just a, cur- just a person that's so full of grace and courtesy. You know, we need to have, you need to look up to those kind of things when you see a Show courtesy to other people. Um, you know, it's not about you getting all that you can get. Uh, help other people. Be courtesy. Uh, show courtesy. That's, uh, part of that verse. Now, um, goodness gracious, I, I was wanting to try to get down through here. But verse number nine kind of talks again. It goes back and looks uh, back at, um, again, this is for everybody. Uh, we're all to be pitiful, all to be courteous, all to show love and compassion and all those things. And then in verse number nine, it goes back and, and recaptures again, uh, talking about not rendering evil for evil uh, or railing for railing, uh, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Uh, now, you can look at that verse, and we'll have to kind of start to wrap things up here with this verse, but um, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Now, he's given us that example, remember, back in chapter number two, when he talked about Jesus, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Uh, and railing, this would be um, just attacking someone verbally, uh, going off on somebody. Does that make more sense to you? Giving them a piece of your mind. That's a, uh, what we would say in our day. That's railing. Uh, somebody railing on you. Somebody just uh, hot and fiery and they're just yelling and going off and, and just uh, blowing a head gasket as we would say. Uh, that's railing. Uh, don't lower yourself and get down on that level. Don't render to somebody else that's acting a fool by acting a fool, right? Don't, if somebody's railing on you and attacking you, I don't care if they're wrong, I don't care. You are never going to win in that situation by railing back. And so Jesus didn't do that when he was reviled and he was mistreated that way. He didn't do that. Instead, what does it say to do? But contrarywise, so in your response uh, to that boss said, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? You can't do nothing right. Why can't you? In response to that, it's supposed to be, yes, sir, and show courtesy and show, <laughs> this is for y'all, not me. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. But uh, this is courtesy. This is not uh, rendering back. Uh, young people, can I preach to you uh, and say, mom and dad, uh, maybe sometimes they get upset and we should never allow ourselves to really get upset to the point where screaming and railing and all of that, uh, but you you certainly should never uh, rail back. It should show uh, utmost courtesy and uh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. Uh, uh, and wherever we find ourselves in the situation, what does it say to do, though? Uh, if you're out there in the world and people are screaming at you, you're in the fast lane going 40 uh, in a 70-mile-an-hour zone, you deserve to be yelled at. But um, if you do that and somebody goes by and they go off on you or what have you, uh, you're not going to get ahead going, getting, um, doing the same thing. Uh, instead, what does it say to do? Now, contrary why, so instead of railing, what am I supposed to do? Blessing. Why are y'all looking at me like I've lost my ever-loving mind? There's very few times I've been able to do this, but every time I have, it's always worked for the better. Contrary wise blessing. Now, what does it say in that verse? For thereunto even are you called. Now, you could take it a couple different ways. Are you called to suffer the railing that you're getting? 
We are, uh, this is part of our calling that we're going to suffer as he did. Uh, he made the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. We're going to suffer. Um, but I don't know that that's what that's saying. I think what it's saying is, and this is just, again, this is my opinion here. Uh, but knowing that ye are thereunto called, uh, that ye should inherit a blessing. I think you're called not just to the suffering. I think you are called. Part of our heavenly calling is how to respond to suffering right. So when you are, when you are being railed on, you're not just, uh, you are called, uh, your calling is to not rail back, but to bless them back. So when you rail back, you totally missed it. And guess what you got? Guess what your reward was for getting in that big verbal argument uh, with your brother or sister and going off on each other and all that uh, fun stuff. Guess what you got for that? You didn't get a blessing. I know that much. Whatever happened in that interaction between you two, you both lost. Nobody won anything. But here's what it says you will get. Here's what it says you will get. Contrary why, if you are able to, to get yourself to a place uh, where you are spiritual and you're, you know, uh, you're only going to be able to do that by prayer and the Word of God and starting your days off right and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, you're able to um, bless them and uh, you know, try to be the peacemaker and all those things. And uh, though they're treating you that way, you will get a blessing far greater than, than the win you think you would have got out of the argument. Does that make sense? Uh, far more uh, than the yelling back and forth about who's right and who's wrong uh, and all of that stuff and railing on each other and, and bringing back up something somebody did 25 years ago and got all that bunch of mess. Then if you just do what the Bible says and you obey the Bible, the Bible says that you should inherit a blessing. Hey, it'll be far greater than whatever revenge you think you would have got out of that. Well, how they went off on me and how they mistreated me. You wait till I see them again. Well, if you want to throw your blessing down the drain, help yourself. But you're throwing away a blessing. The Bible says you should inherit a blessing if you don't do that. Just bless them. Bless them. That's, that's difficult. To, that's easy to preach. That is hard to do. The flesh don't die easy. Whether it's saved whether you're saved or whether you're lost, it don't, flesh don't die easy. Now we got to go home. But I wanted to get into this. So you'd, we'll just have to pick back up once again when we, uh, when we get on uh, next service. But uh, we got in, we touched a little bit. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Uh, let him eschew evil uh, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So we'll pick back up on verse 11, uh, maybe Sunday night or something, and try to continue working our way down through these verses. But um, this is, uh, it follows up on verse number 10, but let him eschew evil and do good. I was mentioning about, and I'm done, but I was talking about um, the, uh, you know, people that do, it's amazing the, the degree some people will go to to keep their bodies healthy. And uh, uh, I don't care what diet plan you go on or what exercise plan you go on, the only hope really for you to have any type of enjoyable life is to live holy, Amen. to live holy. Holiness is far gonna outweigh any, and some of us are rejoicing. And that doesn't mean we don't have to exercise. 
because we could find some benefit in it. But uh, no, um, living a holy life will be far more beneficial to you and to, uh, to me than, than any kind of the other bodily things um, that we... So if you love life and see good days, you've got to watch them out and then seek peace and avoid, shun, run away from, avoid uh, things that are evil. Um, and I'm done with that uh, t- tonight, but you young people especially, I'm thinking about you graduates that are heading off into uh, adulthood and life and all those things. And that will be a, a good verse. If it, if it appears evil, I would just completely avoid it. Isn't that a good thing to kind of live by? Just always err on the side of what's right. If it looks bad, if it looks wrong, if it seems wrong, just stay away from it because I promise you it's not worth it. If you, you know. So anyhow, we sure love you and appreciate all of you being here tonight. Um, we'll have one verse. Will that be okay? Miss Snow, will that be okay with you? I hate to get Brother Reed up and down these steps, but... <laughs>